How's everybody doing this morning? But I see some visitors over here. Praise brought a whole bunch of his family. I see some other visitors here and over here. Community Church, can we just give them a hand and say we welcome you to Spurs Grove Community Church. We're excited you're with us. And we pray today that God would touch you in a new way, in a fresh way, that he would make himself known to you. Amen? All right, let's stand to our feet. So, Father, right now, we invite your Holy Spirit to come and move upon all of us. We ask that you would come into this place. Father, today we come in here ourselves and we say this. You are worthy of worship. So, Father, we will put every hindrance aside. We will run to you. We will call on your name. We will lift our hands. We will do whatever it takes to draw close to the Father. Because we know when we do that, your word says that you will draw close to us. So, church family, let's draw close to him. Just begin to declare the name of Jesus over what's going on in your life. Jesus. Begin to declare the name of Jesus over family issues, over issues maybe your kids are having, over every situation right now. We declare the name of Jesus. Jesus, you free. Jesus, you provide. Can we all just say the name of Jesus once together? Jesus. One more time. Jesus. That's the only name that matters, church. All the stuff right now that's going on, that's the name that changes everything. Jesus. Jesus. It's one word that brings freedom. One word that delivers. One word that heals. One word that restores. Jesus. Can we say amen? Isn't he good? All right. Well, praise God. So good to be back in the home. All right. Well, listen, uh, we, we, I'm going to have John share a little bit here. John happens to be in town. He uh, uh, was passing through, so to speak, but uh, I just want to set up with some things. He's going to be talking about uh, critters. Yeah, you know, critters. Anybody ever have critters in their home? How many of you like it when you find mice in the home? Isn't that a nice thing? You know, for, fortunately, we're not in the land of raccoons, you know, where we're, we're, we're having to keep our, our uh, houses and walls free of raccoons. But the nature of critters is uh, they represent spiritual demonic forces. And uh, the gospel... The message of Christ is not just giving us access to heaven when we die. It's because of freedom. You know, when we were singing here, we were making those declarations. I could, I could see far and wide a reach. You know, as far as your faith goes, deliverance goes. When we're, when we're declaring the name of Jesus. You remember the time when somebody came to Jesus and said, hey, uh, I need you to heal my servant. And he said, I would come. And he said, no need, just say the word. Like Jesus knew that was possible, but he was really surprised that somebody that was not him knew that was possible. And so he's like, wow, this is great. I don't even have to go. Some, finally, somebody understands the power of authority. It stretches over land and sea. It stretches over geography. It goes beyond the immediate vicinity of what we're doing. And so a part of what we're doing when we're saying and declaring the name of Jesus, there's power in that. And you might know somebody today that's struggling with demonic inroads in their life. And uh, do you think, do anybody know anybody who's struggling with demonic inroads in their life? Do you know that you can declare the name of Jesus over them? Now, it may not forever release them, but it gives them at least temporary relief. You know, when when Saul was tormented by a demonic spirit, they called a minstrel. And so David came, and his anointed music, right, was releasing something so that for the time being, those critters would not be there to harass Saul. Now, the hope that God has is that we'll start to make the connection that, hey, when I'm around this, I feel better. That's part of why we do evangelism by bringing people into the church. You know, so what we're doing on the 24th, we want to bring people here who are harassed continuously by critters. 
And the hope is that when they come here, those things have to go underground. Right? There will be some reprieve. There will be some, some setback, some quieting of those voices and those torments in their life. And they might want to just come back and make the connection. Like, yeah, you know, each time I come to this building, something happens. I experience peace and the torment diminishes. And then hopefully, hopefully they'll make the connection. But I want to say this for us because we may be thinking, well, you know, I'm not demonized. No, you might not be demonized, but sometimes there are, there are habitual things that we are, we are um, victimized by, and we don't know that they're demonic. We don't know that there's a spirit attached to them. And so there's two things that God is doing. On the one hand, he's trying to get us to disown those things. They're not pets, and you don't, you're not responsible to feed them. But if you keep feeding them, they'll keep coming around, right? I mean, you, I just saw a little video there, there. This lady is feeding the third generation of foxes from the backwoods. Now there's about a dozen of them that come every day to her back step, you know. If you like that kind of thing, I mean, I guess foxes aren't so bad. But, uh, you know, most of these critters that we're talking about are more like rats than foxes. Snakes, yeah. And so uh, there is freedom. There is deliverance. And so I'm going to pray right now that the patterns of harassing spirits would become evident to us. Because part of the reason that we put up with it is because we don't know it's a foreign entity. We, we grew up. We, we grew up with a certain sound in the voice of our family because families are harassed by hereditary spirits. And we think that's just the way, that's, you know, just my family. We're worriers. That's just my family. We struggle in this way. We, we don't like people we don't know. And that's just the way we are. No, that's a spirit. That's not just the way you are. That's something that you can disown and disconnect yourself and stop feeding it with justification. Stop putting out the treats. <laughs> so, uh, so, Father, I pray today, Lord, make it clear to us today. Let a line be drawn between those things that are ours, those thoughts that belong to us, those thoughts we need to put to death, and the thoughts that are atta have attachments to them. Father, bring freedom and deliverance for, for this reason. Jesus came for freedom. We are set free. Amen. So my friend John's going to come. This is John Lowndes from Vancouver. You all know him? Yeah. Bless you, John. Well, it's good to be in Spruce Grove Community Church. Uh, I really like coming here. Like, it's one of those places, is it a portal? You know, you just can be yourself. You can be free. Uh, not just because the relationship, because of the presence. The presence. And so this feels like home to me. Uh, thank you for always making me feel so welcome in Spruce Grove Community Church. Um, I would just want to share a couple things, preamble, before I, I share the main thoughts I want to share. Funny story. How many know Larry and Tracy Green? Bless Larry and Tracy Green. You know, I remember way back when they were in Church of Zion in Vancouver. And by the way, I'm from Abbotsford, B.C. I go to Church of Zion. Been there 30 years. Uh, that's been quite a journey. But I remember one time they had all our, you know, all our kids were up on the front doing this. And Larry and Tracy, I think, particularly were helping their kids, you know, get ready. And then they're sitting in the front and one starts picking his nose. You know, and the other one realized there's a crowd and he goes, just falls over and disappears, you know, and he's laying on the ground. And Larry and Tracy are like, we practiced, you know. Kids will be kids, right? You know, and what a joy to watch the little ones. You know, there's one little sheep up here just like deer in headlights. You know, but it's, it's a joy to see the children. Um, I want to share, uh, you know, there, there's something I feel is a little bit of a seasonal message the Lord gave me for the church, and I've shared it in a few places. I'll share about familiar spirits, how they attach to us and how we get free, and what our responsibility will be in the kingdom in the coming days, especially for harvest, Right, I love I love you know, welcoming people. You know, you're welcome in the house. How many know there's room for everybody at the table? Yeah. 
It's not a select group. It's not a club. You know, it's Jesus like, hey, I got more chairs. Right? So we're in that season of enlargement. Uh, One of my young guys that I work with in our church that I'm discipling, he came up to me recently and he goes, he goes, Pastor John, he says, he says, you know, I'm called to do what you do. I think, you know, I think I'm called to the nations and, and to other places and churches. And I said, well, we have a problem. He goes, what's that? I said, your obedience is selective. You know, after church, you know, you, you know, he's on our prophetic teams and he's one of the team leaders. But I said, you're selective when you serve. You know, you, 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 you'll stay, service is over, and you're out the back door sometimes, and sometimes you stay. He goes, what do you mean? I said, you have to learn to be obedient in your spirit all the time when he needs you. And I'm not talking about striving, you know, like, I, I, you know, I ha, you know your, our heart begins to be enlarged to care and to be aware and in his case, you know, he would, he would sit and then some Sundays if he was on prayer teams, he was obedient. And other Sundays I'd see him hitting the road with his wife. And I said, are you going to grow up to let your heart feel when God releases you? You know, my friend David Damien used to always say to me, John, don't release yourself. And I'd be like, what, what are you talking about? Like, I really didn't get it. And he would, he would challenge me just like I'm challenging one of my disciples. He'd say, John, you release yourself. You're selective in your obedience. You know, you choose when you want to be obedient. You set the tone. You know, oh, I don't think I want to do that today. You know, so God began to train my spirit. I don't release myself after service. It's not like I serve God in service and after service I'm not his. So I asked him, is there something today? And there was a season, I might have shared this here before, when he said to me, uh, your assignment at this season is to look after the most needy in the church. And so every Sunday for a year, I would go out with a practicing homosexual and a very large man, you know, who had lots of problems. And I would take them for lunch. And God would say, go after the one. He was trying to enlarge my heart to care differently. So he was training my spirit to be obedient in whatever he needed me. And so I was saying to my friend Kit, I said, unless you're willing to be enlarged and be obedient, you will stay stuck. Because I I love what Pastor Mark, and by the way, I I don't believe my life would be here without influence from Pastor Mark Breesbaugh and Wendy. I'm not just saying that. These people have impacted my life. We've been friends for 30 years. And a part of my journey was when Mark took me under his wing and just kept bringing me along and never let me go, right? Don't become familiar with your pastors. Everybody got quiet suddenly, <laughs> right? And it's a bit dangerous, right? You, you see somebody, you know somebody, you become a little bit familiar. I want to honor Mark and Wendy today for holding on to my life, for being good friends, for being a father. And uh, I really mean it. There's certain people in my, in my journey that held on and never let me go, and Mark's one of them. Amen? Amen? So just to say, I loved Pastor Mark on Friday morning was talking about uh, how older people get a little bit stuck, you know, and, and he was encouraging and exhorting to, to stir up. Sometimes we get stuck because we become tre- creatures of habit, right? We're always in the same chair. We always do the same thing after church. You know, we, we, we have this certain patterns in our life, and some of our freedom, your next, gen, your next release will be when you ask God to change me. What do you want me to do? I want you to open your home on Sunday and have people over every Sunday. Oh, that's my time. You know what I mean? Like, uh, come on. It's getting quiet in here. I'm not trying to condemn anybody, but I'm telling you, God is enlarging the church at this hour. It's a season of shift. And for many, the shift will be when you allow him to change you. You allow him to change you out of certain patterns and things that become familiar. Familiar. Okay? So that's my preamble. (laughs) Could I have a tissue, please? Thank you. My nose is running. There was a little boy up here. His nose was running all over. When I was in Bible college, Mark was one of my teachers. I remember... There was this one time we had Pastor Bob Birch. How many remember Pastor Bob Birch? I mean, he was a father of Canada, died 99 years, 11 months, 
Cindy Jacobs called him the Canadian Apostle of Prayer. He was, you know, directly responsible. I think Mark could testify influence in his life. He'd be more like a grandpa to me. He was one that released the David Damians, the Gideon Shoes of this world. And I remember he was coming to Christ for the Nations as a speaker, special speaker. I was quite excited. I knew who he was, and so I, I sat in the front. I used to sit in the front anyway, but I was sitting in the front, and Pastor Bob gets up, and he was in his later years. And perhaps he wasn't in sharp, as sharp, but he was certainly broken. <laughs> and so he gets up and he says, he says, you know, he says, he says, I, this morning I kind of had an idea what I was going to share, and now I'm not sure. Let's wait on the Lord. And at that moment, I could feel like the gift of discerning of spirits kicked into overdrive. And I'm standing there, and in the back of the room, a demon steps in Christ for the nations. Now, at that time, the gift of discerning spirits was somewhat limited, but God was enlarging it in me to be a watchman on the wall for the church. And so I see this spirit stand in the back of the room, and it starts to influence, especially the two most rebellious young guys in the school. And he starts to put thoughts in their mind, and I could see him just influencing, and my spirit starts to pray, and these young guys, pretty soon they start, you hear them in the back, who's the old fart? Who's the old guy? What do you mean he doesn't know what he's going to share? And then they stir up those around them. Pretty soon they got a few, four, five, six, seven, eight people stirred up. Then there's laughter. And it's, it's not like really loud, but you know, in the front row, I can hear it. Pretty soon you got two rows in the back, mocking Pastor Bob. Next thing you know, you got the two rows on the far side of the Bible college. Remember the layout there, Mark? You got two rows over here starting to mock Pastor Bob. I start to intercede. I was a little upset, so I start to pray. And I say, you will not influence this service. You will not interfere with what the father of the nation is going to share. And my spirit's praying and praying and praying. And pretty soon that thing leaves, but the seeds were sown and they kept talking. And they kept mocking. And they kept laughing. Well, the demon's gone, but the seed was sown. He sowed a seed and left. What is the ground that causes that to happen? Like, how does that happen? I'm going to talk about some places where the enemy lands that causes that to happen. Because for another 5, 10, 15 minutes until one of the, I think one of the teachers came around, you know, Gerald or somebody, what are you guys doing? You know, be quiet, stop, you know, the ruckus. Those young people didn't even have a clue. They were oblivious the fact that an enemy had sown a seed in their heart. They didn't even know. I, I'm going, I land in uh, one of my trips in Finland, and I come out of the, I come out of the plane, and I'm walking with my, with my bag along the, uh, just the concourse. I'm heading to pick up my luggage, and uh, suddenly I feel opposed by one of the regional spirits, and he starts to push on me. And I'm, I, I'm, I can feel it, like he's hitting my mind. And he's saying, yeah, people here won't receive you. You remember those few guys last time? They didn't like you. And I'm pushing along and I'm going, mm-mm. I'm not listening to that. And he starts to hit me. And he's hitting my mind. And he's starting to cause me to try and judge. He wants my heart to embrace that seed and get into judgment. He was trying to get me to say, yeah, well, if those, if those guys don't receive me, we'll, we won't include them in the meeting. We'll, we'll make sure somehow that they're excluded. And I'm warring, I'm walking along praying. I'm praying in the spirit. And I said, this is what I said. I said, number one, I'm sent here. Number two, I'm undercover. And number three, I will love every person God puts before me. I will love every person that comes across my path because I am not here to judge, I am here to love. And that thing broke, boom, and left. And I felt release. And every person I ran into, even the ones that I knew were resisting me, I would give a hug. I would pursue them. I would go after them because that's who our father is, right? He never changes. 
His, his capacity to love never changes. A few years ago, maybe 10, 12 years ago, there was uh, a time in my life I, I did have judgment issues. I would have a propensity, if somebody rubbed me the wrong way, perhaps said something wrong, perhaps Pastor Gideon came in church and walked by me and it's like, hey, how are you doing? He's, like, he's busy, you know, he's the speaker that day. It's like, I would have these little things come up. That's because I was also an orphan at that time in heart. But I would have these judgments come up and, and one day I'm sitting with the Lord in my prayer room and he says, I want to show you something. I'm like, okay. He goes, watch. And he pulls a veil. You guys with me? Like a screen, like a shower curtain. He pulls it like this. And I see a familiar spirit that's mine. And he said, that's been helping you judge for years. It's a family spirit. And then I suddenly flash how my dad was, how my grandpa was, how, how there was always some problem with our family with a neighbor or with a thing at work. That, you know, I, remember, I remember I have these memories, dad coming home, you know, yeah, those guys at work, the foreman's trying to get rid of me. You know, and he would always have these things. And, and the Lord says, now it's time to get rid of that and I'm gonna teach you to starve it. I'm going to teach you to starve it. And, I'm, and I just said, I started with repentance. And I said, oh God, I, I, I do judge. Like I realized some of my thinking patterns weren't just John Lowndes thinking. I was being helped. I had a little friend. And he was helping me along the way. He was helping me to not appreciate certain people. He was helping me to judge the pastor sometimes and other situations. And I said, I want this God. And God said, starve it. How do I starve it, Lord? Always move in the opposite spirit. Every circumstance you run into is an opportunity for grace to step into a situation, for love to come into a situation where your heart doesn't respond to the enemy. So when I would feel those familiar, familiar thoughts, I would start to resist them. No, I know Mark loves me. I know this person. I know this situation was not, you know, intentional. Pastor Gideon was just focused. And I began to starve it. A while later, maybe a year and a half, two years, I remember I see it again and it looked emaciated. <laughs> you know, it was like, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm, I could see it shriveled up. I could see it starved. And the Lord said, now it's time for it to go. Now it's time for it to go. So there, I don't believe in my personal life there's any familiars left. I get tested. Like, not that's always with me. That's a family spirit. I get attacked like everybody else. I'm, I'm more prone to recognize nowadays what's going on. When I first came here the other day, I could feel... The atmosphere around this region, there are disenfranchised people still. There is pain. There is divisions. There is misunderstandings. And this house, this family is called to be enlarged, to be on a rescue mission in the coming months and years. Right? I remember someone came in our church. We hadn't seen him in, I bet, 20 years. And the first thing Pastor Gideon did, I watched him. He ran across the room. That guy came through the door, and Gideon ran like nothing ever happened. And he hugs that guy, I missed you. 20 years. Is there anywhere in Scripture where fathers run? Right? How does this happen? There is an atmosphere that, we, that it prevails the earth. It is called the accuser of the brethren. And it is everywhere. Right? Revelations 12.10, I heard a voice saying in heaven, salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren accuses them before our God day and night has been cast down. We don't need to respond to the accuser. We don't respond to those voices. We don't respond to those judgments. If you don't move in love first, you will be stuck. 
because love is that which motivates us into all things. That is the purity of our grace, our purity of our, our God. So we're in a season, I believe, where the Holy Spirit is enlarging the church, but he's going to dislodge more of the enemy. He's going, let me say it again. He's going to dislodge anything that's hindering us. About six months ago, I had a vision. I saw the Lord on his throne. And I was walking along, and he said to me, Son, I want to deal with some little things in your heart. And I turned to the throne, and I fell at his feet. And he said, The next season is dislodging anything that remains, these little things, these little foxes in my church. And as I was laying there, I saw people walking by, and he'd go, I want you to come and fall at my feet for a season. No, I'm too busy with my ministry. Oh, I, I, I can't stop right now. And he said to me, those that will not allow me in the next season will somewhat diminish. But those that will allow these little things to be dealt with, I will enlarge. And so it's a season. It's a shift. So how do these things happen? How does the enemy trap us? How does he cause us to get deceived into some situations. And I'm going to give you a few. Then I'm going to talk about how he sets us free. And I'm going to talk about our responsibility. What attracts demons? Unrepented sin. Unrepented sin. Number one, unrepented sin. First John 1, 8 and 9. If we boast that we have no sin, we're fooling ourselves. And we're strangers to the truth. But if we freely admit our sins, when his light uncovers them, he will be faithful to forgive us every time. God is just to forgive our sins because of Christ, and he will continue to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Be quick to repent. Be quick to acknowledge. Be quick to say, hey, I had a backroom conversation about the church. Uh, uh, ooh, right? Someone came and sat with me and said, started to try to you know, suck me into a conversation about my pastor Gideon. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. Did you want to have lunch or are you here to try to get me to judge with you? I said, by the way, you ain't sucking me into that. If you want to have lunch, I'll have lunch. But if you have a problem with Gideon, go talk to Gideon. Isn't that the biblical pattern? Right? So I said, by the way, I don't have lunch. I'm happy to, but I'm not, I'm not, I ain't biting to that thing. You're not getting me going down that road. No way. Years ago, yes. Now, no. Number two, anger. Listen, don't let the passion of your emotions lead you to sin. Don't let anger control you or fuel for revenge. Not for even a day or a moment. Don't give the slanderous accuser, the devil, an opportunity to manipulate you. The context, this in the Greek, is... He's trying to gain a foothold in our life. It speaks of a topography or a map where he's trying to gain a foothold. He's trying to gain ground in our life. And we're going to say we're not letting him, right? right. You're not gaining a foothold. Uh -uh, uh Uh-uh-uh. No, 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 no. We're not letting you shut up. Yeah, right, Mark? Shut up. We tell him, no. No. Because of time, I'm going to blaze through a couple things. One of my familiars, I also years ago had a spirit of anger. I remember, I'm a Christian, I'm saved, I'm born again. We have a little boy named Josiah, he's six months old. We pull into the Save on Food parking lot. Pam runs in for milk, I keep the van running. Three young punks drive by me and give me the finger. So I chase them down in the parking lot. When they parked in a spot, I blocked them with my van. And I leaped out of the car, the van. The first guy out of the car I had by the throat on the car, like this. I'm like this with the fist. I happened to look over and see Josiah in the car seat. And I'm thinking, what am I doing? I'm in the church. And I've already been in the church for 10 years. I had a familiar spirit. And I just thought, it's okay to be angry. Going to the hockey game with Lauren, my dad. We're wearing similar hats, and these three young guys are mocking me on the SkyTrain. I said, you better stop it. I'm, telling, I'm going to tell you guys one more time. If you don't stop it, I'm going I'm, I'm to punch you out. I'm thinking, you look a little frumpy. 
My little anger spirit was helping me. So they wouldn't stop. I leaped out of the, out of the chair. My dad's like this. One of the guys, six foot six, I just went after him. They ran out of the SkyTrain the next stop. That's not just anger. I, I had a spirit. I had a familiar that was pushing me. I starved that thing. Right? Some of what we think about is not just our thoughts. It's in the atmosphere. It's the accuser. It's, it's angers. It's, it's lusts. It's it's it's. And God wants to set us free because those that are coming in the church need us to be free. Right? They need us to be free so that we're not pulling them into anything unholy or into little circles of judgment, little cliques. We need to be free. Watch out when you're weak or vulnerable. Watch out when you're weak or vulnerable. Those times when you may be having enough prayer. You're on a road trip. You haven't been praying. You're in a hotel room, men. You feel pulls to your heart. You feel some of those pulls, especially in hotel rooms, are atmospheres. It's who's been there before usually, right? Something's going on. Isolation, watch out. When you're weak or vulnerable, be well balanced, always alert. Because your enemy, the devil, roams around incessantly like a roaring lion looking for its prey. This, this word, always alert, in the Greek means instant attention. Instant attention. Like we're always alert. So we feel something. That's why he said, take thoughts captive. No. No, I don't receive that. Because when you feed it, when you feed it, and you add a little water, a little fertilizer, pretty soon it started to create or reinforce a stronghold or try to add something we're already free from. I've had a number of familiars try and come back and reattach to my life. Be alert. This word is like, it says, express, like the necessity of instant attention. Instant. Right now. No. No. Right now. Let's all say no. 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 Like we're not going to receive it. Don't feed it. Starve it. Okay? Isolation. <laughs> Proverbs 18.1. He who willfully separates himself from God and man seeks his own desire. He quarrels against all sound wisdom. One of the great strategies of the enemy is to isolate and separate. Isolate and separate. He will work in your heart with these little things I'm talking about, these little frustrations to try to isolate you, separate you, get you into his own, your own little world, and he will pick you off. Be careful. Be careful with isolation. Be careful with an independent spirit. An independent spirit. I was talking about with the young adults out at, at Transform Church who I'm working with in Abbotsford, and, and, and a couple of the young people with ambition came and said, well, you guys are like a clique, you pastor leaders. Like, you guys are in the front, and, you, and you're kind of a clique. I said, actually, it's the exact opposite. We're the ones standing on the wall protecting you guys. We're the ones standing out there on the walls of the church so that you guys can get free. Right? We're not independent. Don't isolate. Don't isolate, right? He who willfully separates seeks his own desire. Do not pull away from meeting. Uh, in Hebrews 10.25, this is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together, as some have formed the habit of doing. In fact, we should come together even more frequently, even more frequently, eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate the day dawning. There's a couple more, and then I'm going to talk about how we get free. I want to talk a little bit about honor, both natural and spiritual. Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you, that your days may be long, and that it may be well with you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. Hebrews 13 and 17, obey your spiritual leaders and recognize their authority, for they keep watch over your soul without resting, since they will have to give an account to God for their work. So it will benefit you uh, when you make their work a pleasure and not a heavy burden. 
honor your fathers and mothers. I am very aware, because I've been in the church many years, in our home church, of my fathers and mothers' weaknesses. You can't be around people for a long time and not pick them up. But, to be honest, they don't bother me. I cover them as they cover me. I protect them as they protect me. And that's why when people want to take me out for a little judgment session, I'm like, no, 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 no. I ain't doing that. We cover each other's weaknesses, right? Beware of, of spiritual judgment. Beware of becoming too familiar with your, with your spiritual moms and dads. Because if you come under their covering, you can have everything you get, they, they have. You can get what they have. Amen? Right, Pastor Mark? It's true. I could talk about each of these for a long time. But I was, you know, we have a certain time frame and I respect that. But I wanted to hit some things because I feel like this church is on the brink of some new things. You know, he's preparing us for harvest. He's preparing us to bring the people in. But he wants them to come into a real safe family. He wants them to really come in and, and find love and not, and not get into certain things that, that hinder them, right? And so he's preparing the church. Um, I'm going to move on. Seeds of bitterness. This, this is really why people can't grow too. Watch over each other to make sure that no one misses the revelation of God's grace. Hebrews 12, 15, and make sure no one lives with a root of bitterness sprouting within them, which will only cause trouble and poison, poison many. I become way more frank and transparent with some of my friends that have bitterness. We don't have time for this. We don't, we don't have time. We don't have time. You know, have the courage to go after some. Have the courage, right? How do we get free? You must deal with the root. Recognize I have an issue. You guys have had great teaching here. This is, some of this is not unfamiliar to you. But for some of you new ones, and for some of you that have been here a while, God wants to enlarge you, your capacity, right? Deal with the root. In the early church, okay, the early church prayed three times a day. There's a book they wrote in 70-something A.D. And they, it went all over the place, a little booklet. Why did they pray morning, noon, and night? For every day, the Lord's Prayer, our Father. Every day, three times a day, they taught their people. Now, there's a number of reasons, and most of us here, and all of us, I would hope, would know the Lord's Prayer, but I want to touch on one point. Deliver us from the... The, the correct translation should be the evil one, because we're talking about familiars, okay? So when he says, deliver us from the evil one, He's, they, they knew that if there was unrepentant sin, if there was judgment, if there was things I'm talking about that we let linger, then it could build up. And that's why the early church would pray three times a day, morning, noon, and night, so that their hearts were always being before the Lord. They were taking communion to be cleansed daily from house to house, right? so that they didn't get stuck and bound. So the early church, deliver us from the evil one. They knew something. They knew the propensity of the heart of man and the strategies, we're not gonna be ignorant of Satan's devices, was to trap them. So my wife and I, for seasons, we, we would buy these old boxes, the little communion things, you tear the top off, there's the, and take communion every day. <laughs> You want to talk about stirring up the enemy? Try taking communion every day. He got mad at us because there's power in the communion, in the table. And that's why they went from house to house breaking, right? There was something they understood that I believe we're entering a season again of why communion is so important, of why the, there's power in the blood. There's power. That's why when they would break the bread, they were discerning what? The body. They were giving opportunity to repent. So that because many were weak and sickly, not discerning the Lord's body. So they would take communion. They would do it. 
So I found when Pam and I started this, boy, was the enemy mad. It seemed like things got worse because he was trying to stop us from recognizing that power in communion. And so Pam and I have committed, we're going to do these 40 day times and longer if he wants, but communion every day, God cleanse our heart. And we're taking communion for our kids and those around us because we want to be good parents. And we want, we're taking communion. Sometimes you're breaking bread for others, right? So they prayed three times a day. I'm going to give you a couple more. Do we have a little more time? Always move in the opposite spirit. I touched about that. Romans 12 and 14. Speak blessing, not cursing over those who reject and persecute you. You know, speak blessing. Right? Jacob's coming back. He sees Esau. Do you remember what he said when he saw in Esau? He said, I see the face of God. Why? Esau was a test for him. That journey became a test. Anyway, I won't go too far down that. But there are people in our lives and circumstances that God is using to enlarge us. And, and some people resist certain tests. They avoid them. And Mark helped me with this one. And it was this, stay present in the most difficult situations. Let's say it, let me say it again. Stay present in the most difficult situations because those are the ones where we learn to love. Those are the uh, where we learn to overcome. Those are the ones where we, we, you know, it's like I'm on stage when I used to play bass in church and the day before some guy calls me and says, I don't like you, literally. I can't stand you in the church. I'm like, what? So I wanted to get in a fight. And literally, I was so mad at him. So I'm up, I'm up playing bass one day, and he, I see him walk by the front, and he walks by like this. <laughs> so the Lord says, put your bass down and go give him a hug. I'm like, you know, that part of me was like, I want to wring his neck, because that's who I was. He said, no, I put my bass down, I jump off the stage, he's over here, I tap him on the shoulder, he turns around like, <clears throat> I said, so good you're in church today, brother. Opposite spirit, gave him a big hug pulled him in, we became friends. Somebody broke through, right? Somebody broke through. Now, two more things, quick. Please hear me. Many times we need others to help. You need people around you with the gift of discerning of spirits. Every church needs a half a dozen prophets, okay? Because they're the ones that are gifted by the Lord to alert us what's going on. That's why in our church, Pastor Gideon always comes, says, what do I need to know? What's going on? What don't I see? There is a gift of discernment and a discerning of spirits, I believe, coming to the body of Christ in a brand new way. There's a gift coming to see way beyond because you have people that come to church and the night before they were demonized, night before they were through warfare, oh, they're just not paying attention. No, no. See way beyond. See way beyond that they were attacked in the night. Maybe they had a visitation of something evil. Right, But the fathers and mothers and the prophets in the house will see way, that, way past that, and they're the ones that will run. And I'm not saying that's not here in this house. This is a good house. But there must be more than this. There must be other realms that God's enlarging us to for the sake of the harvest that's coming in. Okay? Last January, the Lord spoke to me. He said, son, oh boy, three more minutes. He, he said, son, he, he said this, have you noticed that lots of people are talking about harvest and souls and salvation. I said, yes, Lord. He says, how many are posting on the internet about discipleship? I was like, <laughs> but I saw one hand, where's the rest of you? <laughs> right? And I said, well, Lord, actually not many. He said, I'm about to revisit healing my church because I thought harvest was imminent. He said, actually, no. He said, I'm putting it on pause for a season to, to get my church free and I'm not, okay, it's happening in places. But he said, I'm going to set people free. I'm going to deliver them some of those final things, those familiars. And then I'm going to start to move in the harvest so that when they come in, they're, they're going to come into a real, real safe, healthy family in a new dimension. So out in Abbotsford, we brought in Mark Sanford, myself. We did a whole weekend. Uh, God said, I want to revisit that ministry because it's life to another generation. I thought we'd have 75 people. We had 150 show up and 140 online. 290 people. I was speaking on generational curses and I, I, was, I, I tapped on the one section around uh, sexual immorality and different things in there. We had small groups of young men in, in tens with a father with them. 
25 of the 30 young men came clean in their pornography. They said, I want to get out of this. I don't want to be under a generational curse. I want to be free. And 25 of the 30 young people just, and then seven women showed up. Now we have a Sunday night for 12 weeks to walk them through and plug them into the church and get them undercover. Now these are the guys waving the flags, you know, playing the bass and going home and opening up porn, right? It's a season of freedom. And he's gonna set us free. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. You have to have people in your life. Stay accountable. If you know some prophets, uh, you know, the pastors here, the leadership here, you know, let them speak into your life because some of you, ha- uh, you know, are under some warfare and you don't need to be. You don't need to be. Now, one last piece. Uh, just a couple quick things. One is this. Let me read this scripture. John twenty twenty three. If you give the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they're retained. What does he mean by that? If you forgive the sins of any, they're forgiven if you retain. I believe there's a, a grace and an apostolic grace on this house that if you come under the covering of the house, they can help you get free because they're free and because they have authority to set you free. And that's why God always wants us to be in, a, in, in the family. And that's why an independent spirit's dangerous I mean, listen, the devil's been around for decades and eons, you know. He's, he's sneaky. You need to be around people that can help you. You need to be around people that can say, hey, I've, 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 I know a way up the mountain. You don't need to take a machete and beat your way up another side. I can help you up, you know. And this is really important. So, in, in the coming days, our responsibility is going to increase. I believe the church is enlarging. The best days are ahead of us, right? The best is yet to come. God is going to have a glorious church and a body with authority. I'm dreaming for Canada for millions to be saved. Why? Because I believe he said it to me. And he told me when he spoke it, don't doubt. I said, okay, I'm going to believe. And it's coming. It's coming. Pastor Mark, Galatians 6, 1 and 2, my beloved friends, if you see a believer who's overtaken in a fault, The one who is in the spirit should seek to restore him in the spirit of gentleness. Keep watch over your own heart so that you won't be tempted to exalt yourself. Love empowers us. Love empowers us to fulfill the law of the anointed one as we carry each other's troubles. Amen? Amen. Was that good? So, prayer team, get ready to come up front without hesitation. Um, You know, one of the great examples of this in terms of cinematic world, because it's some of these things are so well illustrated in movies and stories, but to me, one of the most, uh, the clearest example is Gollum in Lord of the Rings. If you haven't seen Lord of the Rings, uh, sorry, but if you have, you know that the the character's name was Schmeagel, and he he was steadily victimized by the equivalent of a demonic spirit, so that so that conversations begin to happen in his mind. But he is, you know, it became so vivid. Uh, that that he you know openly began to talk to this other person, but that person was always affecting him. That spirit was always affecting the mindset of Schmeagel to conform Schmeagel, and eventually became ninety plus percent of the time Gollum. And uh, and so you might have a moment where you're maybe three percent of the time. You know, I remember I, my dad used to come home and he used to come home with this cloud around him and he'd be mean. My dad used to come home and this heaviness would be on him and he would just begin to pick fights, miserable. And I remember after we have kids uh, coming home and feeling this angst always, this this tension, and it just, it didn't, it didn't fit the scenario. There was no good reason for it. Wendy finally got to the place where she recognized it. She, you know, when she saw that, she said, like, would you go and pray in tongues for 20 minutes, please? Because she knew that it was something I could step out of. 
And this is what we need to understand. There are things that victimize us that we can step out of, that don't need to be indulged, that don't need to be participated in, that don't, we don't have to allow ourselves to come into alignment with those things. That's the first step. You, you might not be able to do it in a wholesale way. You may, might still get caught up in an attitude, but if you start to resist that thing, You'll, you'll actually start to come out. You'll start to regain your freedom. And so, uh, so today what we want to do is it's a good time to say, hey, I, I need prayer. You know, I, there's these cycles in my family. Maybe it affects my sister, my parents more than me, but I see this tendency, this, this, Im, this leaning of iniquity. Well, that's what it is. It's a leaning, and I want to be totally free from it. I don't, even, I don't want to have any place, particularly, I don't want it to have place in the next generation. So I want to deal with it now as much as possible so that my kids don't have to wrestle with this. That's the potential, and that's the beauty of multi-generational faith is that iniquity is erased from multiple generations as each generation does this. You don't have to be perfect and you don't have to be embarrassed about, we know these things are happening. You don't have to hide it. You're still loved. You still have position, destiny, and purpose. But we gotta get this stuff cleaned out. So let's stand up together and uh, let's invite somebody to come on the keyboard. And uh, ministry team, come forward quickly. And we're gonna dismiss with this, but we're gonna open the front up for you to come and get at least agreement. Name the things, uh, call them out, and, uh, and we got somebody, okay, good, Ken. So let me pray. Listen, we're here to get cleaned up. We're here to get completely free. Not partially free, completely free. Amen? So, Father, in Jesus' name, we say none of those critters are going to hide. None of those lines of thinking are going to mix in with our thoughts anymore. In Jesus' name, we say let there be isolation, let there be freedom, let there be exposure, and let there be a new path towards freedom starting now, starting today. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, listen, have a great week, but if you'd like some ministry and somebody to agree with, come forward, and we'll, uh, we'll agree with you. Bless you all.